Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I am feeling so incredibly grateful. I want to thank all of you for the outpouring of love and support after last week's podcast. So many of you reached out with encouragement and resonation like you've been there, you are there, you get where I'm coming from, and your kindness just fortified me. You know, put a little balm on my soul, some much needed balm. So I thank you for that. Today's episode is a timely follow-up. We are talking about calming our nervous system. And much of that involves feeling safe and loved and connected, which you did that so much for me this last week. And this is such a God thing because Carly literally messaged me the day after that walk I took with my husband, you know, after I made the decision to take a little break this summer, which I was still feeling a little anxious about. And she said, I've got a few podcast ideas that I think would be helpful to share with your listeners. And one of them was this topic. And I jumped all over it and said, girl, let's talk about the nervous system because I feel like mine is shot. And so she's here. She's here with all of the science and the compassion and the passion that make her such a good practitioner. I am so incredibly pleased to welcome her back, but also welcome her for the first time officially as Carly Stagg, nurse practitioner. Woohoo! Welcome Carly to the Christian Health Club podcast. Thank you, Chelsea. I'm super excited to be here. Always an honor to be on. Well, it's like kind of having you for the first time because you are finally there and I bet your nervous system's a little shot. <laughs> <laughs> Just a tad. That may have been part of the inspiration, I will admit. Yes. Well, I feel like anytime you reach out to me with a topic for a podcast, there's usually a reason. You know, mm -hmm. you're immersed in the study of it or you're seeing a need uh, for it, maybe some clarification or something's a brewing or something. So, you know, what made you suggest this topic in particular, or maybe you were just feeling my shot nerve vibe and maybe you were having your shot nerve situation. I don't know. Yeah. I, what made you think of it? I would say other than the shot nerves vibes, <laughs> um, a couple different things. So in the past, so I'm starting my new job and just with patients that I've seen and clients that I've been seeing over the past you know, three plus years as an NTP, I see this as a common thread um, that people's nervous systems are, can be really dysregulated. And so this has just been on my heart to talk about for a while. And we were kind of looking for a good, a good time to do so. And so when Chelsea and I's nervous systems decided to join the dysfunctional party, I figured <laughs> we would talk about it now. Um, just because, and really one of the reasons is because we live in 
just a world and a time in our lives where so much of the time we feel just the opposite of that safe, connected, loved, loved feeling that Chelsea described. Um, we feel lonely oftentimes, disheartened, um, and even anxious all the time. So I wanted to kind of talk about the importance of regulating the nervous system, why the nervous system matters so much, um, and ultimately how it reflects God's beautiful design for our bodies and how our bodies are always ultimately working for us and for our healing. Um, and that the experiences that we go through may not always be our choice, but that our body is always adapting um, and trying to help us um, protect us at all times. So yeah, that's why I wanted to come and talk about nervous system stuff today. Yeah, I love the message that the body is always on our side, even though it doesn't always feel like it. Like, anyway. <laughs> I know. Talking, it, yeah, we, know. We, we may not always understand that, but it is tr- it is the truth. <laughs> yes, it is the truth. Um, okay, well, let's talk about what the nervous system actually is, because to me, it's always felt kind of nebulous, you know, compared to the other systems in the body, because it mm-hmm. just doesn't have like this may be one go-to organ associated with it. Like we might talk about the heart or the brain or the intestines, you know? And when I think of like nerves and the nervous system, I just, I want to visualize what it is. And it, it, when I do, it makes me think of like little spark plugs. (laughs) And when you feel like your nervous system is shot, it's like all your spark plugs just kind of have been blown out. That's kind of what I feel like, like Mm -hmm. my, my spark has been blown out. So I I know they're not spark plugs. So what are they? What are the nerves? What is the nervous system? And then what does it do? Just give us all of it. Right. I will try not to bore everyone with too much of the scientific details, but I'll kind of give context to the spark plug comment and all those things. Um, So essentially, God created the nervous system to protect us. It's almost like our built-in surveillance system. So it is always on alert, kind of either looking for cues that we're safe and that our body can kind of let its guard down or looking for cues that we are not safe and that we might need to either fight, we might need to run away. So it's always kind of surveilling our surroundings. So we have different branches of our nervous system. And the one we're gonna focus on today is what's called our autonomic nervous system. So the autonomic nervous system, kind of like what the name sounds like, governs the automatic functions of our body. So the automatic functions of our body include like digestion and our breathing. I mean, we're not consciously aware of these things happening, but they're always kind of going on in the background. Um, We also have a somatic branch of the nervous system that is what governs functions that we are intentionally creating. Like I'm going to stand up, I'm going to walk, I'm going to run. That's what our somatic nervous system side does. So we're focusing mostly on the autonomic nervous system, and the nervous system is composed, of course, of brain and spinal cord and also a bunch of peripheral nerves that all innervate, which means are connected to a bunch of our different organs. And so there's information going out to the organs and also information coming back. So just like you said, Chelsea, it is very similar to like spark plugs or a series of interconnected neurons that are then firing one to the other and transporting information to and from the brain and spinal cord. Okay. That puts it in perspective. Uh, okay. I got it. So I was, I was a little bit, that's a little bit of a good analogy, the spark plug maybe. Yeah. You got it, girl. Okay. All right. Tell us, um, tell us more. Kind of go deeper. Okay. Okay. You got it. We can handle it. I know we can. <laughs> oh yeah. This po- this podcast, people can hang for sure. So like I talked about, the goal of our nervous system is to protect us. So 
the entire goal of our nervous system is trying to help us survive. So the way we survive is by adapting to stressors and adapting to events in our lives. So the way we adapt, um, we can shift between different states of the nervous system. And the first concept I want to talk about is that we shift alongside almost like the rungs of a ladder. And the theory that explains this is called the polyvagal theory. And it was created by Dr. Stephen Porges. Um, and then also Deb Dana, who's another psychotherapist, has kind of added to some of that scientific backing. So polyvagal theory discusses how the autonomic, that automatic part of the nervous system interacts with the primary experiences of our lives. So this impacts everything from how well we can listen and learn and really be present in moments, how we can interact socially, and then also how our body works. Like, does our digestion work? Um, does our immune system work well? All of those different things. Um, and so polyvagal theory, again, is that describes how we shift between different states. And the better we're able to shift between different states, the more adaptable and flexible our nervous system is, the healthier we will be. Um, so there are six total states so there's three major states, and then there are gray area states between them, so states meaning almost like modes that the nervous system could be in. So there's these gray areas between them that are called blended states. So I'll talk about those three major states in just a second. So we've got our first major state that we're going to talk about is called ventral vagal, and this is what I would like to call our happy place. <laughs> um, so when we hear about parasympathetic, rest and digest, grounded, calm, capable, creative, people call it grounded confidence. So ventral vagal is the state we would want to be in. It's a state of regulation. Um, the word ventral means front. So it's that front side of the vagus nerve that's being activated when this mode is what's in control. Um, so ventral vagal is where we would like to be our baseline. That's our healthy nervous system. Um, when our nervous system is healthy, I should say that ventral vagal is our, our baseline. But that baseline does not always exist because there are two other states that our nervous system can switch to when danger is sensed through our survival brain threat alert system that we call the limbic system. So like we talked about, our body is constantly taking in our social environment, our physical environment, always looking for cues. Am I safe? Am I in danger? Do I need to be on alert or can I relax? Can I let my guard down? Um, and that process is called neuroception. So again, nervous system and then ception, like perception. So the body is constantly looking for cues. Um, and if a cue of danger or a threat is perceived to either our physical self, our emotional body, it will move along that ladder into a protected state. So there's two other states. Remember, ventral vagal is our happy place. So we can either go to sympathetic, which is what people often call fight or flight. And then the second protective state is called dorsal vagal, and that's our shutdown mode. So I'll dive into what sympathetic is first. You tracking with me, Chelsea? I'm I'm hearing you. I was just thinking, I think I have reached the dorsal mode. That's where I've been. <laughs> but we can talk about that in a minute. Okay. Yes, yes, exactly. Ditto. <laughs> so sympathetic mode. It's interesting because sympathetic and dorsal are almost opposites, although they're both protective states. 
So people always think like, I should respond to a situation in this way, or I should have reacted this way, or why are they not, like, why does their grief look different from mine, or their adaptation look different from mine? But it really depends on, first of all, your upbringing, so how you were raised, anything you've gone through in your life, which protected state you'll go to most. Most of us have one that we favor, and then one that we use less often. Um, And so we usually have one kind of, if we're not in ventral vagal most of the time, which I would argue that most people that exist in the world nowadays are not in ventral vagal as a baseline, um, they usually are either prone to being more in sympathetic mode or more in dorsal. So sympathetic, that is excessively mobilized. So think about this as the energy that we need if we're trying to run a track race. (laughs) Um, So Dr. Porges, I was just listening to one of his trainings yesterday. He's like, this is a great physiological state for running, but not really much else. (laughs) Um, So the nervous system perceives that I'm unsafe. I need to either run or I need to fight. Um, And so you'll get kind of a racing heart. You can feel really irritable. Um, angry, big emotions, and anxiety are really common for sympathetic mode. So this is what we always hear about when we hear, this is the running from a tiger mode where it's advantageous for survival in some distinct circumstances, but we can't be running from a tiger forever. We will not, not be able to survive burning that much energy for long. I always like to say, like, bring it to modern day, like running from a dog. Because when I go on my walks every day, like, when I hear a dog bark, I, like, immediately all of the stress hormones course through my body and I'm, like, ready to run, yep. right? Like, I'm yes. – and so that's what I always <laughs> think about. Like, this is somebody – because I'm realizing right now I'm not sympathetic. I am I'm more, I guess I'm more go to dorsal, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. um, but just that coursing through your veins, like, <gasps> you know, anyway, yep. sorry. Mm-hmm. I just, I think people maybe, maybe they could resonate with like being chased by a dog than a tiger. Yeah. I mean, I hope nobody in listening to this podcast has experienced being chased by a tiger. So. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, I hope none of these things have ever happened to you and that you always feel safe, connected and loved. Although I understand that reality exists everyone listening. Um, but yeah, it's, it is really interesting. So yeah, after you get sympathetic, so sympathetic can actually collapse you into dorsal and we'll talk about that. Some of us start out more sympathetic as our first coping mechanism. And then after our body kind of runs out of energy, it brings us into dorsal. We collapse is what it's called. So Mm -hmm. the interesting thing about sympathetic is I actually see a ton of kids with ADD, ADHD, behavioral issues in general, issues focusing, um, and this is why. Because these kids are in this state, so that's why they have difficulty focusing and with social engagement at times, because their body's perceiving, I'm in threat. I have all this energy and I can't, I don't know what to do with it. So they're in the energy of running away from a tiger, running away from a dog, and they're not able to focus and be present. Um, And so a lot of times, ADD and ADHD can be mitigated by working through kind of like deactivating that sympathetic mode and getting kids to be more in ventral. Um, And I've even used a couple modalities I'll talk about later um, as ways to help kids that I've taken care of um, get through those kind of issues for sure. Oh, so interesting. Yes, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing about that. Of course. (laughs) We might need some of that over here. (laughs) 
Okay. Um, yes, for sure. So anxiety, anger management problems. People will also say that that exists too. They can't sit still. You get labeled ADHD, ADD. You have high blood pressure, high pulse. You're addicted to busyness. You can't sit still. All of those types of things are very depictive of a sympathetic dominant nervous system. And sympathetic is not a good place to be for healing. Sympathetic is not sympathetic to your well-being. <laughs> you really will not feel great because if you think about it, all of the blood in your body is then being diverted um, so that you can survive, so you can run. So you're not going to be getting enough blood flow to critical areas like your digestive system and to your brain and all those things. You're going to be getting blood rushing to extremities so you can mobilize and run you're not going to be able to focus, you're not going to be able to learn, you're not going to be able to heal um, all the different things you need to heal if you're constantly in that sympathetic mode because there's not enough blood supply and one of the most healing things we have is our oxygen supply. If we don't have enough blood, we don't have enough oxygen to those areas, we can't heal. Also, you can't reproduce. Very. Yep. That's a problem. Exactly. Your body's like, we're not going to make a baby if we can't even, you know, survive this tiger attack. <laughs> there's tigers. There's dogs. We can't bring a baby in this world. No, that's yep. why you yep. you always hear like people, you know, can't can't conceive, can't conceive. And then they just kind of like, you know, they almost give up and then they relax about it and then they can. And anyway, it's just yep. um, interesting. But yes, it's it's going to shut down your reproductive system because your body is in survival mode and when mm -hmm. you're in survival mode your body does not feel safe to bring a baby in the world so exactly and i've also seen sympathetic dominance with like eating disorders so people losing their period so it is all it's all very interrelated which is why i love this topic <laughs> mm -hmm. i know it's so fascinating okay um okay keep going so like I did, like I had mentioned earlier, if that sympathetic state goes on long enough, I mean, our bodies are really awesome and cool, but they can't sustain that for long, um, you know, 10 to 20 years. So if this goes on for long enough, your body can't sustain that level of activation at all times. So what it does is it basically pulls an emergency break, <laughs> um, which puts you into that second protective state. So like I said, a lot of people will start out more sympathetic dominant, like they'll be anxious all through you know, their, their childhood, their teens, and then as they get older, then they can shift more to dorsal. So dorsal vagal is essentially the survival mode of the body. It is like, I'm in the fetal position. I am going to do the bare minimum to survive. So you're excessively shut down. Um, and on a very, like a very basic level, it's essentially the nervous system is, is giving up trying to fix. It kind of just fetal position, you're, you'll feel lethargic, you'll feel disembodied, you can even feel disassociated, so not connected to yourself, not connected to your body, um, mentally, emotionally, and this is the state where depression lives. So when we have depression, the dorsal vagal system is activated or that mode is activated. Um, and dorsal means back. So like we said, ventral means the front side of the vagus nerve, dorsal means the back side of the vagus nerve. So that is activated. So if you think about these states as trying to protect us, um, sympathetic, of course, we kind of understand why that protects us because if there's a threat, our body is trying to help us run away from it. It's trying to help us escape. But in a way, dorsal is also trying to protect us against a threat. 
Um, and the way it's doing that is by essentially having you play dead. <laughs> so it's advantageous for survival in some distinct circumstances, like maybe the predator will leave you alone if you play dead. Um, and so I've even, I was going to mention this, that like burnout and depression can live here. Um, so when I hear people say, I'm really burned out, especially people in the medical field will say that they're super burned out. Um, dorsal is the mode that they tend to be favoring at that time. I'm all dorsal. Yes, I am like, mm-hmm. I've, that's where I have been. I'm coming out of it. But yes, the fetal position, giving up, playing dead, burned out, overwhelmed. <laughs> I am dorsal. Yep, I get it. I know. I was super sympathetic for a long time, and then I just started to experience dorsal in like the last year. And it's just really interesting. And I also was mentioning this to Chelsea that I've had some folks on cell core protocols or other detox protocols become dorsal or start activating that dorsal mode if they're mobilizing toxins too quickly. Again, I think it's their body sensing too many threats at once and it takes the body into a shutdown state. So even physical things that you do, like maybe detoxing too quickly um, or not giving your body like grace and space and rest as you work through your healing can, can kind of push you here too. Yeah. You hear that, everybody doing cell core protocols with me? You gotta be, <laughs> you gotta be, be mindful of this. I would think even like, um, you know, losing weight too. I mean, speaking of mobilizing yep. toxins, like mm-hmm. losing weight too quickly because, yep. um, you know, we hold toxins in our fat cells, and if you're mm-hmm. releasing those too quickly, I would think. I mean, that is it's very stressful to the body. It's why we feel icky. Um, yes. When we are going through that that detox um, mode, but that's interesting. Okay. Yep, and I, I'll link an article in the, the show notes about, it's an article in Psychology Today that talks about how we've got depression all wrong. It's trying to save us. We were told for years that it's all about our neurotransmitters or it's all about, you know, it's just some, something's just wrong with your brain or something. It's, that's not the case whatsoever. It, this is our brain trying to protect us. Um, it's our body trying to protect us. It's really the Lord trying to protect us um, through his intelligent design. It's essentially putting us into this survival mode so that we can survive. And even though that response may not always feel adaptive and may be very painful, it is ultimately our body trying to protect us. Yeah. And in and, and a sign, you know, like we always say, mm-hmm. our body is always trying to talk to us through these symptoms that we experience. And it's not trying to be against us. It's just trying to communicate. And so that's, you know, I think it's so important that we talk about this stuff so mm-hmm. we can pick up on these, these signals and these signs. And so I want everybody just to sit here and think a minute, wh- which, what mode are you in right now? You know, mm-hmm. are you para- Are you feeling uh, what is a ventral, mm-hmm. um, like parasympathetic ventral, mm-hmm. uh-huh. ventral, or are we in sympathetic, which is, I mean, what, okay. What was that one called again? It's just, it's just sympathetic. Yeah. It's just called sympathetic. That one doesn't have a cool name, unfortunately. Okay. Not a cool name. Sympathetic, <laughs> which I think is such a, it's, I don't know that names just doesn't seem fitting because sympathetic sounds like nice and it doesn't, it's not, doesn't right. feel nice sometimes to be in fight or flight. <laughs> it okay. doesn't. So we have our ventral, our sympathetic, and our dorsal. We've just Mm -hmm. kind of shut down. So I would just ask everybody to kind of consider Mm -hmm. where you feel like you are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's good to know that the goal is not that we're always in ventral vagal and like life is like puppies and kittens and rainbows because it certainly is not. <laughs> nope. We were told that in this world we would have trouble and that was not a false advertisement. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
But if you think about it, ventral should be our healthy nervous system's baseline. We're not always going to stay there, but we should be able to move back to ventral once a stressor or threat has passed. The Lord designed us this way. So let's say we're just chilling, you know, I'm thinking back to like cavewoman days. You're sitting by the fire. Oh, a dog's chasing me. I'm going to activate my sympathetic nervous system. I'm going to mobilize and run away. Oh no, it caught me. I'm going to play dead for a second until it realizes I'm gone. You switch back out of dorsal, go back to sympathetic, and then eventually get back to ventral. And we weren't designed to be stuck in dorsal or sympathetic for long periods of time. And many of us are at this point. And yeah, so I think that's, that's the issue. Point. That is, is being the stuck. Issue. Yeah. We're never it's going not back. That, it's not that you're never there because that would be impossible because that's right. the way the Lord designed us. Um, he designed us to be able to inflame and anti-inflame. He designed us to be able to shift into survival states and shift out of them. But the issue is when you get stuck in dysfunction. Yes, that's such a good way to put it. And like, you know, we've talked about here many times, uh, just, you know, well, when I did the 50-50 podcast, you know, life is 50-50. Mm-hmm. That's the human experience. Sometimes it's 80-20 or 95-5. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I feel right now. <laughs> 95 hard, 5%, you know, puppies and kittens. But anyway, we're all going to be in those different, um, have different degrees of this. But um, I, this is fascinating. Like, being able to come back to mm-hmm. a resting place and even in, you know, within a, a day's time, like that, that, example you gave like if you were you know in a stressful situation that was just immediate Mm -hmm. um but then be able to come back around and so that's what we have to work on so I assume you're gonna tell us how we how we do that (laughs) of course of course I will I want people to kind of take a little inventory as I go through a couple signs that your nervous system could be in this stuck place okay um and so we can kind of take inventory before we decide like okay and how do we fix this it's totally fixable Again, the Lord made our bodies really smart, so there's, there are ways to overcome this. It's just good to recognize it within ourselves first. So a couple signs of an unhealthy nervous system. So I'm thinking in my head, check, check. Um, so immune, digestive, endocrine dysfunction, so your hormones are messed up, you're not digesting well, you're either never sick or constantly sick, you have chronic pain and fatigue, chronic illness of any type you know, unhealthy habits that you just can't get rid of, even though you may realize how maladaptive they are, how they're not helping you, but you can't get yourself out of that stuck cycle. Um, Depression, anxiety, PTSD, perpetual stress, brain fog, um, even just a lack of felt safety, like in your body. Like you don't feel comfortable in your body, in your relationships, in the world. You feel on guard at times. Um, you can feel a pattern of worrying, catastrophizing. You can think about your symptoms maybe too much or not enough. <laughs> like, how is my body not working for me today? Or kind of disconnecting from your body completely. Um, even pervasive feelings of being helpless and stuck, lacking control. Um, food sensitivities, EMF, chemical sensitivities are big components too, especially for my patient body. And then mental roadblocks and resistance that feels paralyzing. So some of those are dorsal signs. Some of those are sympathetic signs. Some of those are a combination um, and one of those blended states that's kind of between those three lines. Um, But those are all things someone could experience 
Um, and not every single one will exist for each person, but those are all possibilities of the ways our nervous system dysfunction could manifest itself. I want to d- just ask or have you um, mm-hmm. kind of clarify one thing, because I think a lot of people, this is one of the first things you said is that, um, you know, immune digestive or hormonal dysfunction. And mm-hmm. you said, if you always get sick or you never get sick. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that never getting sick can be problematic. So will you explain mm-hmm. explain that? Yep, absolutely. So essentially, steroids will suppress the immune system. So think about when you take like a steroid dose pack. Of course, this is where I go, nurse practitioner brain. But <laughs> think about when you take a steroid. Steroids are essentially just our body's stress hormones, but given to us in a synthetic form, right? So they will suppress the nervous system. They'll kind of keep our white blood cells down. Um, And so if we have excess cortisol, if we're living in that sympathetic activated state a lot, we cannot really mount a response against infection. So we'll never get sick. We may have viruses or bacteria that are present, but our body really does not ever fully start to fight them off. And when I say get sick, you kind of want to have symptoms of sickness because it means that your body is doing all the things to clear it. Like you're coughing, you're sneezing, you're having a headache and you're fatigued, so you're resting, so your body's conserving that energy. But if your body can never really fully mount that response because of excess stress hormones, that's not healthy either. And, you know, we hear about, like, you know, college kids that finish their finals and then immediately after they all get mono or they all get super sick. And that can be a part of that, absolutely. And yeah, so just as much as, you know, getting sick all the time is an issue, so is never getting sick. Mm-hmm. I think that's just something for people to be aware of. Not that, you know, we we mostly don't want to be getting sick all the time. But if if it's if you're like, wow, I never get sick. It's, so, yeah. you know, I haven't been just sick some... in 15 years. That's kind right. of a red flag to me. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And that is a question on um, on our assessment forms. You it know. is. It um, is. I always sick. ask and people are like, why does that? This is I'm always never sick. I'm. It's perfect. I'm like, okay. I would say once a year is about an appropriate amount to get sick. Um, You know, once every six to 12 months. Um, It kind of helps clear the body of of anything rogue. (laughs) Yeah, this is kind of going a little off topic, but I I can't remember where I heard this, but that it's really almost, um, it's not unusual maybe to get sick seasonally because Mm -hmm. your body is just clearing out that just kind of clearing out all the junk and preparing mm-hmm. to go into a new season. And so that sometimes, you know, we feel that maybe like a more like a kind of a detox reaction as mm-hmm. we change seasons, which to me, you know, all of that, like the way we work in relation to creation right, is right. so fascinating to me. So anyway, yeah. Okay. I don't want to yeah. take us off topic. Se- but... Seasonally cleaning house, but yeah, yes. getting sick is, is healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Not too often, but just enough. (laughs) Not too often, just enough, yes. And I wanted to share one last concept before we move on to how to fix it because it will kind of help put everything into perspective. Um, Because I know we talk kind of – I know a lot of us NTPs and, like, functional medicine people, we throw out this word, this phrase, heart rate variability a lot. Um, And I feel like people – nobody really ever explains what it is. So I wanted to share with everyone. Um, So that metric, essentially, if you think about it, it's the variation between our heartbeats. And, you know, because we want our body to be adaptable. So it's describing essentially how stuck we are in a certain nervous system state. So if our HRV is super low, it means that we're stuck at one place on the ladder. 
and we're not able to move between modes. So we want the HRV to be higher because it means our body has a better capability to adapt to stressors by moving along that ladder and it's not going to get stuck in dorsal or stuck in sympathetic. Okay. And we did do a, um, we did a podcast on heart, heart math mm-hmm. uh-huh, on heart math and stuff. So I refer people will link to that in the show notes, just in case people want to go back and, um, and listen to that. Absolutely. I forgot that we did that. Thanks yes. for reminding me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, and so, yeah, so we kind of dive deeper into that and, and monitoring that and such. Awesome. Okay. So, um, Okay, so what are we going to talk about how we, okay, how we get unstuck, how we get stuck, how we get unstuck. Yes, we'll talk about how we get stuck um, and then kind of transition into how do we fix it. Okay. So there's a myriad of things that can cause our nervous system to kind of get stuck along that ladder. And that's the best analogy I can think of because think about being stuck up on a ladder and not being able to move down or up. That's pretty traumatizing. (laughs) No pun intended. Um, And so things that can kind of get our nervous system stuck in a certain mode, it could be anything like traumatic or dramatic that happens in our life. It could be trauma with a capital T, like something really severe that happened to you, or even just little T trauma, like chronic stress, um, physical stressors like mold, um, heavy metals, all those types of things. And even Dr. Porges says that trauma is not necessarily the event, but our body's response to it. So you may feel that your body's response to a certain event or something that's happened to you is disproportionate to the severity of the event, but not to your body. Um, Our bodies are all different. We all have different thresholds of sensitivity, of pain, um, ability to cope. And so your body may react you know, really severely to something to something that for someone else may not even be a stressor at all. Um, so really just honoring yourself, honoring your sensitivity. I always tell my patients I am a proud, sensitive Susie. <laughs> um, everything, is a, everything is a big stressor to me um, because my nervous system is really sensitive. That's not the case for everyone. Um, so just kind of understanding that when the nervous system gets stuck, it's because some, one of the stressors in our life or multiple or that, you know, all of them together, the mass of all them together, um, that stressor exceeds the body's capacity to overcome in that moment. And so it modifies the nervous system, gets stuck in a survival state as the new baseline. And that's why it's really challenging to move out because the body thought, I can't cope with the situation. I need to be in this survival state in order to cope. And so that's why it's so hard to break that cycle, break that chain. Mm, That's interesting. Almost like, do you think some of this, I mean, subconsciously, like, I'm just thinking like, can't relax, like can't shift out of that because mm-hmm. if we feel like if we're not on that just constant high alert, that, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll just, we won't, um, we won't be able to respond or we might just get too mm-hmm. relaxed. You know what I mean? Like, right. I can't relax. <laughs> I have to be on alert. <laughs> yeah. How horrible. We have to be relaxed. Um, But I do think a lot of people avoid taking breaks and not being busy because it will take you from sympathetic to dorsal quickly. Mm. Because once you realize dorsal, it really, your body wants to go to ventral, but oftentimes you'll go to dorsal first because your body doesn't trust you to relax. And so it's taking you to a survival state of relaxation, quote unquote, not relaxation really at all. Um, but it will shut you down to protect you from continuing to burn energy at a rate that it cannot keep up with. Oh, that's so interesting. So it's like you, 
you can't relax, but you can play dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to think you're going to think you're relaxing, <laughs> but <laughs> jokes on you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's funny. Okay, go ahead. So the, essentially, we're going to go back to like, why do we care about fixing the nervous system? Because this nervous system affects every single system in the body. Like we talked about those nerves are innervating all of our organs like muscles, glands, all the things. And so when that ventral vagal state is our baseline, we can reach homeostasis, which is essentially that balanced place where we can truly heal. So there's a balance between inflammatory and anti-inflammatory activity, um, healing and repair and all those types of things. So we're going to try to get our body back to ventral vagal because it gives our body the best fighting chance of being able to actually heal from the inside out. And so how do we heal? We, first of all, we learn to befriend our body and we learn to listen to its cues. Um, I think I say this about 15 times a day, (laughs) um, that your body is on your side. Your body is acting out of protectiveness for you um, and out of love. And so we have to learn to honor it, like its cues, how it's speaking to us, um, and really just build back that trust relationship with our body. Many of us live our lives either completely disconnected from our body or overly in our body and sympathetic. And so the way to heal is to rebuild that safe, grounded, connected relationship with our body. Um, And so oftentimes the way we have to heal is in that same vein of creating safety and connection is by daily and consistently releasing that survival energy over time. So, you know, slowly helping our body shift out of one of those survival states and into ventral vagal by helping to get rid of some of that old survival energy that we'll talk about next. Um, We just have to signal safety to our body on almost a daily basis, if not every single day, you know, reminding your body that it is safe and loved and cared for and that you're going to protect it. You're going to care for it, um, even if you haven't in the past. Um, And just by doing that consistently, you'll be able to start to see the changes um, and start to heal from the inside out um, versus many modalities where we're focusing on healing from the outside in. Or being suggested to take some kind of pharmaceutical. Right. Talk talk about not not even healing. We'll take healing out of that that part completely. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Band-aiding. Yeah, totally. Professional (laughs) band-aider. Um, okay, cool. So I want to talk about quickly like the biochemistry of what underlies the nervous system because I think biochemistry is fascinating. I want to talk about the hormonal side of things because we hear about oxytocin, we hear about vasopressin a lot. So I kind of just wanted to bring it full circle and talk about, okay, when we try to activate ventral vagal, how do we get there? And what does that do to our endocrine system and to our hormones? So our ventral vagal state, um, when we're in ventral vagal, we're able to activate what's called the social engagement system. Um, and Dr. Porges calls this the, the face heart connection. So think about when a baby is born and mom sees baby and the bonding that happens there, um, the activation of oxytocin, um, and vasopressin, those calming hormones, um, that baby in an ideal world would know ventral vagal, from the entire time in the womb until when they're first born. And when they're first born, they would get that first, the first thing that they feel is that reassurance, that social engagement, that face to heart connection. Um, And so the researcher that I really admire in this field, her name is Dr. Sue Carter. um, And a lot of her work is centered around 
oxytocin, um, and she even calls it like love as being the best medicine. Um, because ultimately, a lot of this is trying to help our body to feel safe and loved and connected, even if our life has been hard. So Dr. Carter has examined the hypothesis that oxytocin pathways, um, which include oxytocin, there's another peptide called vasopressin, and those receptors are actually at the very center of the systems that developed our nervous system in the first place. Um, and we know that oxytocin does things including help us give birth, it helps with lactation, it facilitates maternal like protective behaviors, um, genetic regulation of the growth of our brain, like all of our different brain areas, um, and blood supply to our brain as we, as we develop over time. And the other thing oxytocin does is it helps us to, it helps to provide, you know, that bonding so that we have that extended period of nurture. Um, on the behalf of parents to child. And so oxytocin is moderating the autonomic nervous system. Oxytocin will activate that ventral vagal state. Um, it also is really cool. We've actually used oxytocin, like professionally I've seen oxytocin used um, for chronic pain um, because it's antioxidant, it's anti-inflammatory, um, and it also has those social and emotional effects. So oxytocin is pretty amazing, amazing compound. It helps to counteract the existence of threats and disease that are just, you know, part of our world. Um, and so by allowing our bodies to have more oxytocin release, we are able to be more resilient, able to be to spend more time in ventral vagal. Um, and so that's why I'm so passionate about oxytocin being part of this whole picture and this whole story. Yes, I love the oxytocin. I did do a podcast on oxytocin called Increasing your oxytocin flow um so we can refer to that too and i know you'll probably go kind of recap and do some go through some things about that mm -hmm. here but um i just i know that for me like that i know that i just feel that flood of oxytocin like in the morning when i wake my kids up you know because they're all still sleeping and they haven't become hellions yet and so but when i go <laughs> in and i wake them up and and they're just so sweet and sleeping and um, I just, I feel that flood of oxytocin, you know, I'm just, it makes me so happy to kind of kiss their forehead, wake them up. And then at night we, we do prayers, even though, you know, my boys think they're, you know, hot stuff because they're older and stuff, but they, <laughs> but, but they still, they never miss like whether I'm going into their room or they come into my room because quite often I'm in bed first um, and they'll do <laughs> prayers in my room. But we have those end caps of the day, which I love, which is mm -hmm. just for me, it's just that peace and that calming that that oxytocin brings. And it's that, you know, it is that, you know, heart to face, just that soft touch a hug in the morning and the night and so mm -hmm. um as cuckoo as they make me it, we do have those <laughs> cal those calming end caps and it's um it is a it is nice but so i know that's a lot of it right is it's I just love that that mm -hmm. that, that touch and that um just that that peace that comes with that absolutely i know that's so important i was actually my last you know, couple months of school, I was getting really into this topic and exactly what you said, Chelsea, it's not, it's not just what you think of conventionally when you think oxytocin, it's like physical touch. It also is, you know, I was looking into this and there's a concept called touch starvation that's actually found oftentimes in the elderly where when they don't have like physical touch, like gentle nurturing touch, it elevates their blood pressure. It can increase their heartbeat. It can actually disturb their heart rhythm. It leads to an increased risk of blood clotting. 
So it's just really, really not good. And a lot of times, especially considering the events of the past, I almost said two years, but almost more than two years, Mm -hmm. um, people have been afraid to touch one another. And I think this is profoundly impacting our society. Um, And so I've seen a lot of a lot of older people not only be lonely, but also exhibit the physical effects of touch starvation too. Um, You know, even in premature babies, there are studies that show that if they get that skin to skin contact where they're like laying on mom or dad's chest, um, studies have shown that they grow faster, they're healthier overall as well. Um, Even if they're premature and they kind of came into the world with stress, that the ability to be skin to skin with a nurturing person is regulating to their nervous system. Yes, we cannot overlook like the importance of this connection. And, you know, I always think God did not intend us to be alone or, you know, what mm-hmm. it's like man should not be alone. And so he made Eve, right? Like, so we <laughs> are meant to be in mm-hmm. companionship and fellowship and, um, and hugs for everybody. I think that's, yes, that's hugs good. for everyone. This is the main reason that I struggle seeing patients online. <laughs> like I would love to give everyone a hug. Um, <laughs> Some other things that promote oxytocin release are just resting, resting and rebuilding, like taking a Sabbath day. Like that is very underrated. Trust me, I know. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, intimate relationships like you were alluding to, Chelsea. So specifically, orgasm in a safe context releases a flood of oxytocin into the brain. It strengthens the bonds between us and another, which makes us a little bit blind to their faults, but it's great for marriage and long-term partnership. Um... There's also the release of another compound called vasopressin, um, which is an element of like forbidden danger, don't trust them. So that's more often released during casual sex, but oxytocin is in like the context of a safe, intimate relationship. Um, So resting, rebuilding is important. Um, Physical touch, really, really important. And building community and connection, like with, with friends, with your church circle, just finding people that you can confide in um, is really, really critical for oxytocin release. Yes. Uh, this is why I'm always like getting together with your girlfriends. Girlfriend weekends mm-hmm. are so important. And so just um, being with friends and um, all of these things are just so important for your self-stewardship. I've really tried to move away from the word self-care. I like self-stewardship. Um, That's so nice. I love that. Yeah. I love that um, <laughs> Yeah, it is because it's important. You know, self-stewardship is so important. And so just putting these things into place, um, we have to think about and be intentional about it or um, we let it go. Just like this massive, basically Sabbath kind of thing I'm about to do, just taking a break, you know, um, like I said in the in my the podcast, like the second I decided I was gonna do it, like oh, I mean, just the peace like overwhelmed me. I was I felt so much better, and then within the you know the next few days, like that stress I was holding in my gut just started you know going away. You know, this I just think people don't realize how much all of this really affects our health, and so that's why this is so important to talk about and what you can do Mm because sometimes this stuff feels elusive like you know how do you even do this how do I promote oxytocin how do I how do I feel Mm -hmm. better how do I and so I love this conversation of course and there are things you can do you know other than just you know 
hugging people. (laughs) There's so many things you can do to promote oxytocin release. One other thing to mention quickly is like getting body work. So like getting massage, getting myofascial release. Well, unless you go to Chelsea's medical massage lady and she hurts you. (laughs) Hurts in a good good way. Um, But like myofascial release is awesome. Like the fascia, there's also some hypotheses that the fascia actually holds a lot more tension than the muscles themselves. Um, the fascia is like that, like almost like bubble wrap layer encasing all of our muscles. And that can, that's actually where a lot of our emotions and trauma can be kind of camping out until we are able to mobilize and release them. So myofascial release is really important. Um, massage is great. Um, there's even this system called therapeutic touch that I almost got certified in as an RN. Um, but it's essentially like for those that are hospitalized, it's like just laying hands on them and almost like praying for them. Mm, Um, but just that like concept of like, I'm touching their hand. And even though they may not know me, they know that this touches, this touches safe. Um, and that they can feel that comfort. They can feel God's peace through you. Oh, I love that. And there is, you know, it is very powerful to be in a situation, um, you know, whether you're at church or we've done this at Jesus camp and Mm -hmm. we even did this, um, in the retreat last weekend, you know, just if we were praying for somebody, just having people lay your hands on you, it's really, it's, it's, it's so humbling really. Um, and there's just like that loving energy. That's just, you know, you just feel God's love coming through other people's touch. And I mean, that's what we're always doing here, right? Like just trying to be healthy for ourselves, but so that also Mm -hmm. we can do our kingdom work in the world and lay, lay these loving hands on the people in our lives. But it's, it's harder to do that when you don't feel good yourself. So I I love that you brought that up. Of course, of course. Yeah. And there's, now I'm going to get into my nerd mode and talk about all the other ways you can, you know, help your nervous system. So everything we just talked about is focusing on oxytocin, right? Um, oxytocin is critical, but it's not everything to our nervous system. So there are other ways to kind of promote those right safety cues. Um, one really cool way to really just promote that resilience and adaptability to stressors is by getting nervous system focused chiropractic. Um, there's also people that call it like vagal chiropractic. So you can go on, I think it's called nervousystemchiro.com. There's also an Instagram and there's a locator of chiropractors that practice in this way. And it's very much focused on improving resilience, um, kind of activating the body's own self-healing mechanisms that the Lord gave us um, and just doing so in a very safe, gentle way. Um, It's not tons of like popping and cracking. It's super gentle and it's trying to restore connection between brain, spinal cords, and then all the peripheral nerves that are associated. Neat. Yes. Yes. I just started doing chiropractic this year and my friend Sarah is amazing and incredible and has been helping me, but it can help with a myriad of things, least of which is just regulating your nervous system so you have a better baseline um, place to start with, starting more in ventral vagal. Yeah, I, I, people probably don't even think of it that for that reason. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yep, I'm that person that goes to the chiropractor, even though I have no, I have no structural issues. <laughs> I'm like, I know that it's good for my nervous system, and that's all. That's all that matters to me. Crunchy granola over here. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend chiropractic. The other thing, and I was mentioning this to Chelsea before we got on, um, is called the Apollo Neuro. So this is almost like a Fitbit type device that is a touch-based vibration therapy. So you wear it on your wrist or your ankle, and it's almost like these little ultrasound type pulses. Um, And the science behind it is that when your body feels that rhythm or senses that rhythm of the vibrations, they're programmed at a certain interval 
Um, so the body recognizes it as like a soothing, gentle touch, like a friend giving you a hug when you're having a rough day, something like that. Um, and so what it does is it improves our heart rate variability. So improves our adaptability by promoting safety in the long term. Like, so our body feels again, safe, connected, loved. Those are the three things I always want people to feel, um, while also being used for symptom relief. So it, you know, overall improves your nervous system's resilience, but over time, it should actually move your baseline closer to that ventral vagal state. Um, so there's different modes that you can use for like sleep issues, for focus issues, um, mood. Um, I've even used it with some patients I have who are kids. I try to avoid doing tons of supplements and meds with kids. So anyone that's had ADD, ADHD, anxiety, um, like picky eating, difficulty sleeping and insomnia, chronic stress. Um, so all those things are, you know, good applications of the Apollo system. Um, again, it's nice because you don't have to do anything with it other than just turn it on to the mode that you need. And it's not adding another thing to your to-do list. You can even have it on an app that runs on a schedule throughout the day. That's how I use it. I know when my afternoon slump hits, I have a certain mode set so that it kind of helps me get through that um, in a smoother way. And it's just a cool, a cool way to both help yourself feel better throughout the day and improve your nervous system health overall. That's neat. So do you... Are you con? Do you consciously feel it, or do you just kind of after a while you just get used to it, so you don't even? Yeah, it kind of go. It kind of fades into the background. Um, and when I first started it, my nervous system was so sympathetic that it took a lot. I had to put the setting a lot higher. Um, and now, <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. It was like superpower. And now I almost have to barely have it on. So it's interesting. Oh. I've only had it for four or five months. And now I'm using it on like the lowest settings and not as reliant on it as I was at the very beginning. Um, but it's because my body was so, ventral vagal was so foreign to my body. I didn't even know what was going on. I was like, ah, this feels weird. <laughs> what is relaxation? I don't understand. <laughs> That oh I want to get I, I want to get several of these for my family members. You can always share members. them too, which is cool. I always tell people if you have a family, you can get one, and then you know sure. somebody has a sleep issue, give uh -huh. it to them overnight. It's not like it learns your body; it's just gonna deliver the the sound waves from the app. So you could always like have somebody use it during the day, and then you could use it at night, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, so you wear yours around your ankle, but maybe you don't want to wear that out in public because it looks like you yeah, have an ankle I try monitor. not to do the <laughs> I try not to do the ankle bracelet look. I don't think that's back in yet. Um, but yeah, I do. I do wear it on the wrist if I'm not like on Zoom, um, or something like that. You know, I wear it on my wrist if I'm out. Um, but usually I wear it on my ankle like around the house because. I don't care if the mailman thinks I have an ankle bracelet on. It's okay. <laughs> cool. Okay. I'm going to look into that one. Apollo Neuro. And we'll put the link in, yes. in the um, in the show notes too. Yes, absolutely. I think there's some link we can get for like you see so everyone can get a discount because it is a little on the pricey side. But okay. I think it's 100% worth it. So the other option, so Apollo Neuro is kind of something you would do every day. It's just part of your routine, but it's not something that adds additional time. It's not like you, you would just go about your life while it's running in the background, basically. Um, the other option you can use is something called Safe and Sound, and it was actually invented by Dr. Porges. Um, this is an auditory-based therapy, so you basically have to meet on Zoom with someone facilitating or in person, um, and you listen to a soundtrack that has these sound waves in it that are perceived as the frequency of like a gentle, soothing voice. Um, and it actually just moves the muscles of the inner ear, 
which or the middle ear, I should say, which stimulates certain neural pathways, which is super cool. So it, it helps to activate ventral vagal by stimulating auditory nerve and those middle ear muscles, which is really amazing. And again, it's, you know, a session that you listen to. It's about 10 hours total. Um, but in my practice where I work, we do one session a week for 10 weeks. So the sessions are like 30 to 45 minutes over Zoom. Um, and then you just do assimilate it over time. Um, again, one and done. So it's kind of nice that you just have once a week for 10 weeks. And then after that, this it's over. You don't have to continue to listen to it. Um, so it's really interesting because it's focused on the concept of prosody, which is essentially every aspect of our speech except the actual words. <laughs> so it's the rhythm, the stress we're placing on syllables, the intonation of our speech, kind of like the love behind our speech, essentially. Um, he always says, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Um, you could say something super kind. And have you ever had someone tell you something super kind, like the words are kind, but it doesn't come out kindly. It comes out kind of like, what are, what are you saying? Is that, was that a question? Um, are you okay? Um, there's certain prosodies that our brain, like per, certain prosodies of speech that we can actually like recognize the threat, like yelling or aggression. But this, the prosody of the safe and sound protocol is like Brahms lullaby, like the baby, <laughs> the song we always hear is babies. Um, and it promotes that ventral vagal state and presence. So again, it's really cool, especially for those that are stuck in sympathetic. This can be really helpful to get you into ventral. Um, also good for those that have experienced really severe trauma because it's super gentle. You don't have to relive anything. It's more so just retuning the nervous system to that ventral vagal happy place. Is this something you can order yourself or do you have to do it through a practitioner or how does that work? Yes. From my understanding, you have to do it with a practitioner. We always okay. have someone facilitate it just in case, just to make it like a safe space for the person. Um, but you do need to have over-the-ear headphones because it helps to isolate the sound better. Um, so you can actually hear the fullness of the, the sound waves. Um, but yeah, you do have to do it through a practitioner. But I will link information about safe and sound. There's a whole, of course, just like the Apollo, there's a whole website that talks about the science behind it and all that stuff. Okay. I mean, I can see how that would be if you just like, okay, for these 10 weeks, I'm going to make an appointment. This is going to be like my rest time, my just healing time. And you go in and just do listen and relax. Yep. Exactly. It's That's, awesome. Sounds <laughs> kind of fabulous. I know we're all, we're all doing it on our, on ourselves this summer. <laughs> yes. Um, at my practice, we're all, we're guinea pigging each other, but it's been really, really awesome. Um, we're just starting to offer it to patients after we've all gone through it. And it's been, it's been really cool. That's cool. See, you always have like the inside track on all these cool things. I love it. <laughs> um, awesome. I know. It's super fun. I love my job. Um, I want to talk quickly about limbic, the limbic system and retraining. Um, so I know we talk a lot about like thought downloads and taking charge of the cognitive aspect of our symptoms and our sickness. So our thought life, that's what the limbic system is focused on. Um, so the limbic system, again, is like our threat activation system like looking for threats and kind of activating them the body to go into a survival state if need be. Um, so limbic specific retraining, there's some options. Um, so there's DNRS, there's Gupta. I prefer Gupta. Um, none of them are overtly religious or not religious, I should say. Um, they're kind of just neutral, which I kind of felt hard, found was hard. I prefer if it's Christian personally. <laughs> um, so 
for DNRS and Gupta, you need to do daily exercises. Repetition is really important. Again, we're trying to cue our nervous system to safety. There's also um, another version called Mind Remap um, that's practitioner-guided neural retraining, and it's an accelerated version of DNRS or Gupta because it's accessing subconscious mind versus things that are just in your conscious awareness that you're working through with DNRS and Gupta. So limbic system is support is really important, especially for somebody that's had a chronic illness for long periods of time, feels overly fixated on your symptoms, or symptoms just aren't getting better no matter what you try, and you've been to lots of doctors or lots of nutritionists and NTPs, and you just feel like you're not getting better, you're not making progress. Oftentimes, a lot of that is limbic um, in nature and can actually exacerbate anything physical that's going on with you. That's good. Um... Like a lot of people are like that. They've tried mm-hmm. all the things and sometimes you just have to step out of that box a little bit and mm-hmm. and examine, you know, that it's something deeper within the nervous system and, and all this um, stuff. I like, I like these options. We're given all the options today. There's also yeah. vagal exercises. So we can also just focus on like physically activating the vagus nerve. So activating that ventral side of the vagus nerve. We can sing. That's my favorite one. We can hum. We can chant. We can gargle. All these physically stimulate the vagus nerve to be more in this ventral vagal connected state. Um, Dr. Deb Dana talks about vocal bursts. Um, and it's like, Ah, like sighs and all those types of things, those are all activating um, the vagus nerve in a positive way to get that ventral vagal state going. Um, there's also a couple um, in the, so Sarah Jackson Panther is one of my nervous system, favorite nervous system people to learn from. Um, and so she's Christian. She has a, a membership called Restore. Um, and she has classes where she incorporates um, spirituality, spirituality, she'll read a prayer, she'll read verses. Um, she'll also do vagus nerve exercises with you. She'll kind of help you kind of get into your body and feel things. Um, so she's really, really helpful as well. Um, but the vagal exercises are incorporated into to Sarah Jackson's class as well. So if you wanted to try those out, you could do that. You can also go on YouTube. There's some free videos on how to do some of the basic vagus nerve exercises from Dr. Stanley Rosenberg, who's the founder of those kind of exercises. Or you can just sing really loudly in the car with your kids. That's what we do. Yes, just as relaxing. <laughs> we, we belt it out in the car. That's one of our favorite things to do together is sing super loud in the car. So cute. So cute. Um, last thing, we've already talked about this before, which is cool, is heart math. So we talked about this, I think, three years ago um, when the podcast had, had first started. It's an HRV-focused therapy, um, heart rate variability, HRV. Um, it's a self-paced breathing technique that teaches you what's called heart-focused breathing. Works great for me because I'm mushy and I understand what heart-focused breathing means. Not always great for the super logical person. <laughs> it moves you out of that sympathetic mode really effectively. I use it a lot with people that have like acute like panic, anxiety attacks, that kind of thing. And it's delivered via an earpiece that you kind of just clip onto your ear um, and then you breathe and it's connected to your phone or computer and it gives you feedback as you go to make sure you're getting into the right state and place to get into ventral vagal. Um, but heart math is a really cool option and it's something that is great to learn for for um, as a tool for coping in the moment versus just overall improving your baseline. It will improve your baseline overall, but the best application I've found for it is actually if you're somebody that struggles in specific moments with getting control and getting regulation of your nervous system. Yeah, that was um, 
we'll, we'll put the, um, the link back into heart math for sure. Yes, we will for sure. Okay. So is that, is that all the things? Yeah, that's all the things. <laughs> that's good. You have, just, we have options, people. <laughs> we have options, people. And so just, you know, just think about this and think about all the things that you can do. I just like this idea of like being able to, to shift into the mm-hmm. shift back to the VV, the VV state. That's what we want. <laughs> yeah, bagel. And yeah. And that's what the Lord wants for us ultimately is to really be able to embrace his full, the, like the goodness of the, the way he designed our bodies um, to, to be able to rest in that place, like to be able to abide in him um, as we are able to fully embrace that ventral vagal state. Um, and so when it comes to healing your nervous system, there's just a couple concepts that just to close up, like remember that less is more. So just do something versus doing nothing. You don't have to do all six of these things or 10 or however many we even said. Um, give yourself plenty of grace in the process. Um, the, the point of working on your nervous system is not to be perfect. It's to really give yourself grace and believe for your healing, pray, um, and just really embrace and believe for what God wants for you. And that's for your full healing and for you to be in that peaceful, connected, safe, loved state. That's what he wants for you. Amen to that. What about an anchor verse? Do you have, I still have to ask you these questions because it's been a while. So do you have an, want to hear an anchor verse and your latest anchor meal? Wow. (laughs) You knew they were coming. Love, love. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll share my I'll share my meal first. Um, I've just been very basic lately and been getting like rotisserie chickens from Whole Foods and doing like salad, like a big salad with pumpkin seeds and goat cheese and rotisserie chicken and all the different veggies and all the things. Um, but yeah, it's been super good, especially because it's really hot here right now. It's like ninety degrees. Um, oh girl. You know, it- I went to Florida, a, Florida problems. I was, but then I was like, wait, Texas problems. Texas problems. Worse. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Bo had a baseball game this last weekend and he, it was 108 degrees Stop. and he was the catcher. <laughs> I was like, bless. Oh, I don't know. It, it's just horrible. Anyway, it's so hot. But I love that you said that because when I've been going through like this, these last few months of just stress and it was really, you know, ratcheting up during the last feast of fast, you know, we share our our meals every day and everything. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, all I could muster was the most basic, simplistic, like I ate about 500 ground beef bowls and that, you know, (laughs) I was like, okay, I couldn't even think, like, I couldn't even think what to cook. I could, you know, yes. (laughs) Right. See, I was dead. My body was playing dead. And that was all I would just, I was all I could do. And so I ate that over and over. And, and so I did mention that briefly in one of these recent podcasts that, you know, just that's fine. You know, I mean, it was nourishing right. and it was fine. And like you said, you pick up a rotisserie chicken from the store. That's always one thing I tell people that is, that is fast yeah. food. That's fast food. And even yep. a, I tell people, maybe it's not ideal to use a microwave, but if you want to steam your vegetables, like that is right. better than driving Do to dairy, dairy Queen, you know, like <laughs> right. pick up a rotisserie chicken, a, a fresh salad, or, you know, some steamable vegetables and you're done. You're like five minutes, you're done. And it's fast food and it's nourishing. And, um, it, and you don't have to think which is really helpful when you're in dorsal. So Yes. You can try to get yourself out of dorsal, but while you're in it, you can have while some he- have some healthy it. fast food. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. What about an anchor verse? 
So it's more of a passage than a verse. <laughs> um, let me see here. So I feel like I, hold on one sec. It's Mark chapter five. I didn't write the chapter down. I was like, whoopsie. Um, so it's Mark chapter five, verses 25 to 34. Um, and anyone that's kind of been struggling with their healing or their journey with their health, um, I just want to invite you to close your eyes and really lean into, lean into what the Lord's speaking to you um, through these verses. And I hope that this encourages you. Okay, so verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around, crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. One of my favorite passages of all time, and it's something that I often will remind any of my patients that are Christian to read and meditate on and even record themselves um, saying it and even um, make it their phone background, <laughs> just remembering that the Lord wants you to be healed. He wants that for you. Um, and that it is possible and just taking the taking that step of faith um, no matter how small it may feel um, or how big it may feel is all you really can do and so just leaning into that today mm, that was wonderful and just the way you read it was almost I wanted to cry it was just so relaxing and so powerful and um, I can imagine if you recorded that in your in your own voice and listened to it it would just be even more powerful Mm -hmm. You know, taking ownership in that. Oh, thank you. That's a perfect one for this. Oh, it's been so good to have you on, friend. Thank so you. Good. Where can people? And I know you was kind of booked up, but if people wanted to <laughs> maybe uh, get on your wait list or be able to work with you, where do they go now that you are in your settled into your your new work and new job? Absolutely. So I now have a work Instagram that I'm working on. So it's at Carly FNP. And then my website for work, you can apply to become a patient, is ritual, R-I-T-U-A-L, functionalmedicine.com. We'll put the link in the show notes. And thanks, y'all, for having me. Yeah, always love having you here. And can't wait to have you back again. It's so much to talk about always. Um, and thank you all so much for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week. And I will talk to you soon. Hi, everyone.
everyone, remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.